All right, so we do this series. It's called Storytime. We haven't done one in a while, but it's where we take a book of the Bible and we read a crazy story. Because I don't know if you guys have opened your Bible recently, but there's some stuff in there that is nuts. So um, there's this book in the Bible that I want to talk about tonight. It's called Judges. And so basically, this is a recount of a time in Israel when they didn't have kings and the nation was led uh, by someone called a judge. Now, the judge's main task was to deliver Israel from the hands of their enemies. And the Bible says that whenever God raised up a judge, he was always with them. Now, there were some judges who did, some, did a pretty good job. Then there were some judges who did okay. And then there were some who were just like flat terrible. And, and there's one in particular <laughs> that I want to talk about tonight. And his name is Samson. Now, Samson was known for being completely rational, level-headed, and, and um, completely reasonable man to deal with. Is not a true statement. Samson was crazy. This dude had mood swings like you wouldn't believe. He was irrational. And this dude was reckless. And not like the cool, like, reckless love kind of reckless. Like, the kind of reckless that got, like, a th thousands of people killed. Like, a lot of people died because of Samson. And so, he, he's a crazy person. And so, something else that's interesting about Samson is he is what's called, or was, is what's called a, Na a Nazarite, which is, um, so... Just a little backstory. I'll try to hurry through this because we got a lot of just ridiculous things in this story to get through. But um, his parents were visited by an angel. They're like, you're going to have a baby. And they're like, I can't have a baby. He's like, I'm the angel of the Lord. You're going to have a baby. He's like, okay, we'll have a baby. And he's like, he's going to be a Nazarite. He can't cut his hair. He can't touch dead things. He can't eat anything or drink anything. It has to do with grapes. No Welches, no Smuckers, no Uncrustables, no grapes, no great nuts, no grapefruits, nothing grape. Got it? Cool. Moving on. So, Samson's a Nazarite. And, and something I want to talk about tonight is three statements that we can pull out of Samson's story to avoid pride, selfishness, and recklessness in our life. So let's jump in. So we open the scene on Samson casually strolling along to a place called Timnah, where he saw a Philistine woman and she was pleasing to his eyes. And he said, I will have her as a wife. Mom and dad, get me her as a wife. Okay, um, so Ma and Pa Samson, super not cool with this move. They're like, um, she's a Philistine, probably shouldn't do that because uh, that's, that was not kosher then. And a Hebrew would not marry a Philistine because the Philistines were like, you know, really bad people. They like ruled out. Anyway, so, um, but, but check out what happens next. This is super interesting. Judges 14.4 says, his father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. So even though Samson's parents thought it was wrong for him to marry outside the tribe, which it was, God had a plan. So Samson and his parents are now going to Timnah, casually strolling along, and uh, to get this, this whole family merger marriage situation underway. So Judges 14, 5, and 6 says this. Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah. And they came to the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion came toward him roaring. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat but he did not tell his, mother, his father or his mother what he has done. Hold up. Hold up a minute. <laughs> Samson's just casually walking through a vineyard, and then a lion comes at him, guns blazing, and you know, he just tears it limb from limb like you would a young goat. Is this, like, do we tear goats? Is that a thing? <laughs> Look, I can't tear perforated paper right. 
Like, can you imagine tearing a goat? Like, does anybody struggle with that? Anybody? It's okay. We can be honest in church. I struggle with perforated paper. I could not tear a young goat, let alone tear a lion to pieces. Like, it's just no thing. It's just like, lion dead. It's fine. So a few days go by. And now Samson is walking in the same place and he notices that the, there are a whole mess of bees inside the lion. And so like, I'm talking like Luke inside the Tauntaun. Like it's open, they're, they're setting up shop, they're at home now. This is where the bees live. And so they're making honey in there. And, and so Samson naturally takes a big old fistful of that honey and starts to eat. And even better, he decides to share that dead body honey with his family. How thoughtful, right? Just like, here you go, mom and dad, this is... Hey, it's, it's natural. It's organic. Uh, probably pasteurized, I guess. And so the only problem was, is he wasn't supposed to touch dead things. Remember, he's a Nazarite. He took a vow before the Lord stating that he would abstain from certain things, including scraping honey out of a dead Mufasa's rib cage. This is weird. It's in the Bible. I promise. He's just like, oh, honey, bleh. like Winnie the Pooh, just and it's this weird merger between Lion King and Winnie the Pooh. It's, it's a whole to-do. And so this is where we start to see Samson's true colors. This is where we start to see Samson's contempt for his vow to God. Samson began to believe in that moment that his greatness came from his own strength and not the Lord. Now, Samson is at his wedding feast, and he decides to get clever with his recent behavior. And guys, <laughs> he makes a riddle. Have you ever made a riddle? <laughs> like, is that, who does it? Okay, you? Proud of you, man. I do, I do not have that skill. I'm not, a, I'm not Bilbo Baggins. Like, I'm not in a situation where telling a riddle is going to save my life. I mean, a riddle. And so he makes this riddle, and then he bets all the Philistines present at this dinner that in seven days, if they can answer this riddle, he will give them 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes, which evidently was worth a lot. I don't know if that, <laughs> would you guys like answer a riddle for 30 changes? Actually, I probably would. That's a good financial decision. Free clothes? Heck yeah. For a riddle? But I mean, have you, like, the weird thing is, is it wasn't even really that good of a riddle. <laughs> it's a pretty subpar riddle. Okay, it goes like this. Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Super epic, right? There's like, you can, you can hear the sweeping score behind it of like, anyways. So, I mean, it, it's a weird, it's weird. It's weird. Guys, it's weird. Like, it's not a normal thing for you to be like sitting at dinner with your whole family and they're like, hey guys, I bet you in seven days you can't answer this riddle I just came up with. Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And they're like, Samson, what are you even talking about? <laughs> it's weird, man. And so Samson... Like, another, it, it's weird that Samson even brought it up in the first place. Because if we go back to the scripture, we see that he was alone. Like, he was by himself when this lion attacked him. Like, his mom and pa were somewhere, but not with him. So why is he bringing this up? It's like, almost like he's bragging about it, but nobody knows. You know what I mean? And why is he reveling in the death of a lion? Like, it's not even that big of a deal. The Holy Spirit did it. Like, he had nothing to do with it. But, but I believe it's because his pride... His pride in himself began to, to grow and fester. Samson started to, realize, or started to believe that he killed the lion on his own. And he began to believe in his own strength instead of recognizing that God totally saved him from becoming Miamix. Like he was, he was gonna be cat food. Sa Samson was boasting in himself and that's why he made up the riddle. He didn't have to talk it out 
he didn't have to talk about it ever again. He was alone. Nobody was there. But, but because of that pride welling up inside of him, he made this statement in his heart of, I did that. I did that. And that's the first statement we should learn from in Samson's story. I did that. Samson may have been strong, and believe me, he was. But he couldn't have killed that lion without the Holy Spirit. Like, <laughs> a lion's whole purpose in life is to eat meat, right? You know what Samson's made of? It's meat. He's, he's meat. It's like Will is super strong. Super strong guy. Love you. Proud of you. Lion's killing you like that. Like, sorry, man. You're made of meat, and they're designed to eat meat. That's exactly what they do. So without the Holy Spirit, there's no way Samson would, I mean, he probably would have put up a good fight, but he would have, he would have inevitably died because lions eat meat. He didn't do it. God did. The point is he didn't do it. God did. But because of pride, he began to trust in his own strength. And if we aren't careful, we can fall into the same trap. I think it's interesting that Samson's issue in this moment was pride and he just finished battling with a lion. A group of lions, if you don't know, is called a pride. And they're sneaky. See, lions hunt together. They work as a team. They hunt in their pride. And it is not normal for a lion to hunt on its own. It's interesting because that's what pride does to us. Pride alienates us from our group. Pride alienates us. It gets us away from people so that it can lie in wait and spring and pounce when you least expect it. I mean, how many times have we been in a moment where we pray hard for God to bail us out of something, right? Just me? I mean, like, for instance, like, God, I did not study for this test. Like, it's my final. If I don't get at least a B, like, I'm, I'm toast. I, I need to graduate. And, and I didn't study at all. So, Lord, where there is no way, you make a way. I believe you are faithful and good. And then, and then you get the B, and you're like, what? I crushed that calculus test. I know all the calculating in calculus. I did that. I'm smart. I know everything there is to know about calculus. Or or maybe it's something like, I made the varsity baseball team. I did that. Woo, I'm strong. I did it on my own. I'm self-made. Self-made. I did that. Pulled myself up by my cleat laces. I made the baseball team. I did that. The point is, when we put our strength in the spotlight, we open ourselves up to pride and then the attack of pride. Story time. The Philistines end up blackmailing Samson's wife to get the answer. And they do this by telling her, we're going to burn you and your father alive. And so she gives them the answer. <laughs> like naturally, it's like, I don't want to, don't burn me alive. So she, Samson gets mad and he gets like, gets I mean, we know he's super reasonable, right? So he gets super mad, books it out of there, goes to a neighboring town, kills 30 dudes, takes their clothes and gives them to the Philistines. And then, oh yes, there's more. <laughs> then, <laughs> it's, just, it's so ridiculous. Read your Bible. It's super entertaining. <laughs> Samson goes back to get his wife. And then he comes upon the scene to discover that his father-in-law has just given his wife to another man. He's like, I really thought you hated her because that whole like riddle, like getting really mad and then you went and killed 30 people, dude. So I didn't think you were coming back. So I gave her to your best man. Maybe you could have her younger sister instead. And Samson, being super reasonable, goes off and catches 300 foxes, ties their tails together, and in between their tails puts a lit torch, releases them, and burns down the town's crops. 
seems like a bit of an overreaction. I mean, this is like, this is like some home alone, like Dennis the Menace level <laughs> revenge we're talking about here. I mean, so he burns down all their crops. And so the Philistines, rightfully angry, show up in, Ju- uh, show up in Judah, um, which is where he lives. And so he, he shows up, they show up there and they're looking for Samson. And by the way, after he burned down all the crops, he threw a temper tantrum and went and lived in a cave. Just like, hey, I'm going to go live in a cave by myself. And so he's like awkward cavemanning. And so the Philistines show up in Judah and the Judeans come over to Samson. They're like, bro, what happened? You're supposed to protect us from the Philistines, not bring their wrath upon us. You need to go make this right. So they take Samson to the Philistines and, and they're getting ready to like take him prisoner. And he's all bound up. And then he's like, Holy Spirit has rushed upon me. And he breaks the ropes. Then he finds a fresh jawbone of a donkey, which I think he picked up the jawbone of a donkey because he talks a lot like a, a, a donkey. And so he picks it up and then he, you know, just beats a thousand guys to death with this. It's, it's in the Bible. I'm not, he beats a thousand guys to death and then he exclaims with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps with the jawbone of a donkey. Have I struck down a thousand men? It's like, whoa. <laughs> Dude, you already killed a thousand people. Like, let's tone it down. <laughs> um, so he slays a thousand Philistines with the donkey's jawbone. And then he declares, look at how thirsty I've become. Would you let your servant die of thirst, Lord? Like, so I mentioned earlier that whenever God raised up a judge in Israel, God was always with them. And God, being a good and consistent father, had to keep his promise, even though Samson probably made him question the validity of that rule in the first place. <laughs> like God's probably thinking like, man, this was a whole lot easier when I was dealing with like Gideon or Othniel or Deborah. But this Samson guy, he's, re- he's really pushing it, <laughs> like pushing it. And so at this point, it's pretty obvious that Samson's pride and belief in his own strength is out of control. Like it's, it's really bad. I mean, he just killed a thousand dudes with this. This, well, not this one. <laughs> this, is, this is from an elk. I couldn't get a donkey because, you know, PETA. But uh, here in Colorado, we believe in elk as food. So thank you, the Crawfords, wherever you are. Um, so imagine that, though. Can you imagine that? I've never been angry enough to catch a cold, let alone catch 300 foxes, burn down some crops. I've never been angry enough to take the jawbone of a work animal and then just, you know, casually beat a thousand guys to death. That's insane. It's insane. And when you really think about it, he would have had to swing this thing like two or three times per person, like even with the Holy Spirit, like, like it's, it's solid, but that's like not a death blow. Like what? You know what I mean? And so like, you think about it, he swings this like probably 3000 times at least. And, and it's crazy to think about that. And I'm like, I can't imagine doing that. But when I think about, when we speak from a place of pride, when we speak from a place of arrogance, when we speak from a place of anger, we wound just as many people like that. Our words carry weight. And when we speak from a place of unhealthy attitude towards ourself and our own strength, we wound everybody around us. I mean, how could Samson not recognize that the Holy Spirit was there? How could he not recognize that God did that? And then, to act with this attitude of, I deserve your blessing, Lord. I deserve that water. Look at how thirsty I have become. And the the next statement I want to talk about is, I deserve that. 
I deserve that. Samson thought that he deserved to be blessed. He thought that he deserved favor from God. I deserve that is a dangerous statement because it portrays an attitude of entitlement and superiority. Did you know that God actually cares about what kind of attitude we have? He really does. The Israelites wandered the desert for 40 years because they had a bad attitude. Samson should have recognized the source of his strength to be God and, and that he, he should have been thankful that he was on the winning end of that jawbone. He very easily could have been taken over. A thousand Philistines, 1,000 people. And he, and, he, and he beat him to death with this. It's got Holy Spirit written all over it. There's no way he had that kind of strength. But he had an attitude of, I deserve that. And it's dangerous. Now, this could look differently for all of us. I mean, it could be as simple as like, I think I deserve a better grade on that project, even though I didn't really put in the work. Or, or maybe it's like, I, we, des- we think we deserve a starting out $15 an hour manager job at our favorite store, when in reality, we haven't even worked a job before. I deserve something more than I honestly get. And and whatever it is, when we start thinking about what we deserve, it can get out of control and manifest as pride and arrogance. When we think, or what we think we deserve and what we actually deserve are very, very different. And that can be a dangerous gap to try and cross. In fact, the only way to cross it is the cross. From here, Samson went on to do some pretty shady things. (laughs) Like, pretty, pretty messed up. But one thing stands out still. He ends up falling in love with this woman named Delilah. And Delilah is bad news. Like, woo. She's, she's a, again, a Philistine. Um, and we learned that that's bad. And I, I'm pretty sure he's still married, so that's sketchy. <laughs> like, um, and so anyway, he, he falls in love with her and her people, the Philistines, bribe her with a lot of money. I'm talking like Kardashian money. Like a ton of money at the time to, to get, to find out what makes Samson so strong? And so remember early in the story, I mentioned that he was a Nazarite and there were some things involved with that. And, and, and one of those things was he was not supposed to cut his hair. And, and that's because that turns out that was the source of his strength or so he thought. So she pushes him hard to get that information and he just keeps lying to her. He just keeps snowing her. He's like, if, uh, if you tie me up with seven fresh bowstrings, I'll become weak. Or if you, I don't know why Samson sounds like this. I just imagine it would be like this big, like beefy, like speed metal dude. He's like, his head, head dreadlocks and he wears like leather gauntlets. And okay. Anyways, he's like, if you bind me with a new rope, I will become weak. And, and finally, Delilah gets serious about this and he, she, she presses him hard. The Bible says she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him. His soul was vexed to death. In other words, she nagged him to death. Straight up wore him down like, Samson, you don't love me because you won't tell me. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like super drama queen, like girl is a man eater, bad news. And so finally, <laughs> I'm just saying, finally she wore him down and, and he tells her and he tells her his strength. And he says um, in Judges 16, 17, and he told her all his heart. And said to her, a razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. He gave himself up. He told her his secret. 
He let her know the source of his strength, but in the same moment, he let the enemy know the source of his weakness. How often do we do the same? How often do we just give ourselves up to the enemy with our weaknesses? How often do we just let him in? Especially if we're boasting in our own achievement, in our own strength. When we reveal the source of our strength to be our own, we reveal pride as our weakness. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Samson gave himself up because his desire to please himself was greater than his honor for his vow to God. He made the statement of, I want that. I want that. I want her. She's pleasing to my eyes. I want that because I want what I want and I will get what I want. Samson wanted Delilah so bad that he didn't care that he, that he would be captured by his enemy. And I believe it's because he thought he was untouchable. You see, Samson was a lot of things, but he was not an idiot. Samson was not dumb. You don't get to be the judge of a country by being a moron. Like Samson knew what was coming against him. I mean, Delilah tried to betray him three times. The Bible says that she asked him his source of his strength. He's like, if you tie me up with seven bowstrings, I will be weak like any other man. So she ties him up. She calls the Philistines. They rush in. He busts out, beats him up. Same thing. Again, if you tie me up with a new rope, I'll be weak like any other man. She ties him up, calls the Philistines, busts out of the rope. He beats him up. He's the hero again. I think it's because he was boasting in his strength. He's puffing up. He's like, I'll show you how strong I am. I'll show you what my weakness is. If you tie me up, and then he's, he's like, he, he, he's trying to impress a girl. That's what he's doing. <laughs> like, that's got pride written all over. He gave up his God-given supernatural superhero strength for a girl. <laughs> for a girl. This dude could lift a house. He tore a lion to pieces. And he was like, what's up, Delilah? I'll show you how strong I am. Come on. What's up, girl? How you doing? Yeah, tie me up with some bowstrings. I'll show you what's that. Boom! Bowstrings ain't nothing for me. And so he finally believes. I truly think that he just, he, he was like, I am untouchable. I am the source of my strength. I will not be beaten. And so he says, shave my head. I don't need it. I'm strong without it. He's, he couldn't see past his fleshly desire. He couldn't see past what he wanted. He gave up everything. How many times have we also done the same? How many times have we found ourselves completely selling out what we believe in for a moment of temporary, like, good feeling? And, and have you ever noticed when you, like, when we're, when we're in that moment, it's not worth it either. That, that good feeling, it's short and it's fast and it's actually not very good. It, and and it's, it's terrible. And, and he gave himself up for a want, for a desire. He gave up his, his status and his power that God gave him to please himself. I mean, I want that. Is that want worth it? Is it worth it? I want that is a statement that can be deceiving because wanting something isn't necessarily bad, right? I want a drink of water. I don't know if you can see it, but I'm still alive. <laughs> I wanting isn't a bad thing. Like I want food. I want Chick-fil-A. I want, but, and that's not the point. The point is when we are willing to sacrifice who we are and our core beliefs to get something is where it gets sketchy. That's where it goes from wanting to worship. That's when you turn a want or a desire into an idol. 
You see, at the time of Samson, they would have sacrificed animals to worship God. They would have sacrificed animals to, to be in the presence of God. And we have to be careful with our wants and what we do with them because our flesh is powerful and it is tricky and it, it is not saved. Our spirit is saved. Our mind is being saved. Our flesh is of this earth. So we have to be careful with it. I mean, how often in a moment in, of temptation, whether it's being alone with a girlfriend or at a party with beer, or, or maybe it's you treat somebody poorly because you'll seem cooler. Like you make fun of somebody in front of all your friends because it'll make you seem like the funny guy. I mean, we, get, we give up who we are, who God designed us to be, for what? When we start to sacrifice the things that shouldn't be compromised, we turn our desire into an idol and we start to worship it. Samson made himself the God of his life and he gave up his source of strength because he thought he didn't need it. He thought he was strong on his own. So the Philistines then take Samson and they blind him. They blind him and they imprison him and they put him in a prison and they tie him to a millstone, which is this huge boulder that is used to just crush wheat into, into flour. And so he's effectively a donkey. Um, walking in a circle, and he turns back to God. And, and it's easy to turn back to God when the only way you can turn is left. When the only way you can turn is, is God, it's so easy to turn back to God. Judges 16, 28 says, Then Samson called to the Lord and said, Oh Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. Oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. He turned back to God. He made God the source of his strength again. In that moment when he said, God, please strengthen me. God, please exact revenge. God, you control. He put God back on the throne. In that moment, he removed the strength from himself and put it back on God. Then Samson placed his hands on the pillars of this temple that the, the Philistines brought him into their temple to entertain them. And they were, you know, they probably planned to kill him. And so he, he prays to God, Lord, strengthen me. And then he puts his hands on these pillars. And with one fell swoop, he pushes the pillars out from under the building and crushes everybody inside. Thousands of Philistines, the enemy of Israel now gone. Fulfilling his purpose from birth to begin to save Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And Samson was only able to do that because he flipped those statements of, I did that, I deserve that, and I want that, to he did that. He deserves that. He wants that. To overcome pride and selfishness in our life, we need to flip the me to he. Take it off ourselves, put it on God. It's about him. But what if we've already fallen to pride and selfishness? What if we've already given up our source of strength? Your hair will grow back. Samson's hair grew back. When he's in that prison, when he repented, his hair grew back. There's redemption in your story. All we have to do is pray to the Lord and he will be faithful. All you have to do is put God back on the throne of your life. Flip the me to he. Flip the me to he. It's easy. It rhymes. Flip the me to he. Everybody say it. Flip the me to he. Nice job. Instead of I did that, turn it into he did that. Recognize that God has shown up time and time again in our lives to bail us out of a bad grade on a test or I deserve that because he deserves that. Humbling ourselves and our idea of what our lives should look like. 
to God and his will for us, working, studying, serving, obeying willingly as if we are working for the Lord because the truth is we are. I want that becomes he wants that. Offer your desires to God and ask for his will to be done. Your, king, or your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Offer your desires to God and ask for his will to be done. God's will and want for you will never lead to death. Never ever will lead to death. God is in the, de- in the business of redemption and God is in the business of resurrection. Romans 8, 38 through 39 says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing, nothing that the blood of Christ cannot redeem. And there's no person that God cannot use. Samson reached into the lion for honey and Jesus reached into death to save us. He wants to redeem us. He wants us there with him in heaven. See, Samson reached into death, a dead body, selfishly to please his flesh. And Jesus reached into death selflessly to pull us up out of the grave. Samson spent his whole life trying to get what he wanted at any cost. And Jesus did the same thing. The only difference is the want was us. The want was us. Jesus gave up everything so that we can be in heaven with him, so that we can know him, so that we can have a relationship with him no matter the cost. Back in Judges 14.4, we saw that even though it was wrong for Samson to, to desire to marry a Philistine woman, God still used the situation to enact his will. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've smoked, what you've drank, if you've slept with somebody. It doesn't matter What matters is if you know God and he knows you, he will make all things for good. Through the power of Christ, he will make a way for Christ died for us. He'll make your situation for good. Just like Samson, everybody has a lion to kill. But are we gonna revel in the death of a lion or are we gonna rejoice in the resurrection of a lamb? Are we gonna revel in our own strength and our own achievement? Or are we gonna rejoice in the strength of Christ for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Are we gonna revel in the death of a lion or rejoice in the resurrection of a lamb? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you what you show for us. And Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross so that we can make a way, so that we can rejoice in the lamb, so that we can rejoice in what you did for us on the cross. God, I pray that you would bless every student in here, every soul in here, God, that they would recognize where you've moved in their life. God, that they would turn the me to he. God, that you did that, that you deserve that, that you want that, God, and that we would come in alignment with your will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.